0: Another year, another draft. This is Green Eggs and Sam here. We're going to recap the 2019 draft. Pretty crazy draft. With all these trades that happened. Oh my god. It's like every every other team was doing a trade. Players were wearing different teams hats than the team they were going to. It's oh my god. Not surprising, Zion Williamson went first to the New Orleans Pelicans. He was uh, projected to be the top pick out of Duke, so that wasn't much of a surprise at all. So Greeny, I'm gonna ask you the first question. I actually asked you this during the draft. Do you think Zion Williamson will have a better career than Anthony Davis?
1: So, to me, that's a bit of a tough response for myself, just because we don't 100% know what Anthony Davis is going to be as of yet, and it felt like you kind of agreed with me as far as that goes. Although, from what I've seen from Zion's one year at Duke and what I know about what Anthony Davis has become and is going to continue to be in the NBA, I would have to say no as of right now. I feel like a lot of NBA folks, NBA scouts in particular, might disagree with me, but Anthony Davis is definitely already a top-ten NBA player, probably pushing top-five when he's healthy, and Zion's got some work to do to get there, so we'll see what happens in the near future, but I wouldn't say no. I think you're looking at a Hall of Famer in Anthony Davis if he continues his trajectory. Zion hasn't proven it yet, so... You know that's a fair, more fair question. In a couple of years, I feel like.
0: Yeah, I'm really thinking. I, I want to say Zion's been the most hype prospect since 2014. I feel like Wiggins was so high being the next LeBron and everything. And Wiggins has not reached that at all. Uh, other than that, uh, I think there were there was a lot of Carl Towns hype for sure. But Markel Fultz and uh, Ayton, they didn't get as much. So it wouldn't surprise me if um, Zion becomes one of the best prospects of this decade. But thinking about it right now, it really seems like it's either going to be Davis or Giannis who are the best players that come out of this decade. I think Embiid's up there as well. Towns very potentially could. I think this this kid's going to be a good player, but it's always interesting to see if the guy's going to live up to the hype because I feel like since Davis, the only the only couple guys to really live up to it so far have been Towns and uh I'd, I'd say Embiid. There was a lot of Embiid hype going on even though he was the third pick in the draft. Um, but sometimes it, it could be a, a Markel faults or even a Wiggins situation. I mean, Wiggins situation isn't as bad as what's going on with Fultz. Um,
1: Anthony Bennett.
0: Anthony Bennett, well.
1: That was unexpected, though.
0: Yeah, that's the outlier there. Oh, my God, the 2013 draft, that was insane. <laughs> So, so, no a surprise. What was that? He's not Anthony
1: Bennett. We'll say that.
0: No. I I would hope not. Good God. Uh, so, other than Zion, the Pelicans also had the eighth pick. And they picked Jackson Hayes, who I'm really not familiar with at all. This was originally Atlanta's pick, but... Uh, There was a lot of swapping going on between these two teams. Ended up going to New Orleans. Greeny, do you believe that Jackson would be a good pairing with Zion? It looks like he's a center.
1: He is, and I think it's tough to say at this point because he didn't have a lot of the exposure that a lot of these other freshmen had pre-college. So a lot of folks didn't see him play until this past season. Like many of these guys that were McDonald's High School All-Americans, or played in some of the big-time All-Star games leading up to this past season, uh, he missed out on a lot of that. And scouts missed out on him because he missed out on that. So we're hoping, I guess, if we're New Orleans fans, that he's not a one-year wonder. He had a great freshman year. But he did have an injury towards the end of the season that kept him out of postseason. I don't know the status of that injury currently. I don't think it was particularly serious, and obviously he'd worked out well if he was a top 10 pick. Once again, this is all about potential, as is most of the NBA draft in this day and age. Um, But clearly, if you're gonna spend a top 10 pick on a player, you think he's a significant part of your future, or you would just trade out of that pick. So assuming he recovers from injury and continues to progress rapidly like he did in this past year at Texas, he projects as an eventual starter. I wouldn't say as of right now he's going to start. I believe that Oprah Okafor back at the five spot if I'm not mistaken.
0: They do, yes. So that's going to
1: be a hurdle that he's going to have to get over. I don't know that he's physically ready to play big minutes in the NBA. He's kind of lean. Probably has to put on some weight. But he blocks shots. He rebounds. Much like many of these big men that enter the NBA draft after one year, he's got a lot of work to do offensively. He's got to really develop an offensive game. But he'll be able to block shots and rebound off the bench early in his career, at the very least.
0: Okay, so he's more of a defensive player than that, it seems like. So probably not going to start right out of the gate. They're probably going to bring him along slowly. Uh, Looking at their... uh, roster so far next year. They do have Okafor coming back. Um, they also have Christian Wood who they picked up uh, from last year from the Bucks. He played pretty well. I don't think he'd play any center though. I was trying to think of maybe some centers they could go after. It's looking like Julius Randle won't be back. Uh, I, I think Willie Cauley-Stein would be an interesting fit there. Could you see him playing with Zion? No
1: doubt about it. That would probably be a great fit because they both like to get out and run. A lot of their buckets are going to be in transition. Cauley-Stein is somebody that I believe has contr- struggled to develop an offensive game in the half court, if I'm not mistaken, and likes to get out and run. And Zion obviously loves to do that, so that would be a great tandem, four and five, I believe.
0: Yeah, because New Orleans actually has $31 million in cap space. They they have some money they can spend. I mean, typically when it's a, a team rebuilding that has uh, a lot of cap space, I always recommend that they should try and take on some bad salary, get some future picks, um... To help them when they're uh, a more competitive team they could trade some of those picks for um, useful players but uh, I, I don't think Willie Cauley Stein will be going for too too much you can probably get him for around 10 million he's just a little older than uh, the core they're building right now I thought that would be a a nice uh, nice fit there also rumored uh, that Steven Adams from the Thunder and Clint Capella from the Rockets are available because their teams are both way over the cap. But I don't think the Rockets and Thunder would want to trade them to the Pelicans just because they're you know, in the same conference. They're probably going to be playing each other in the playoffs, maybe not next season, a couple seasons from now. They very well could make the playoffs with Zion. I don't doubt it. The West is wide open right now. Um, So I thought he would be a good fit. Um, But they also had another first-round pick. I'm not familiar with this guy either. This was the 17th pick. Can you pronounce this? Is it Nikhil
1: Alexander-Walker? Okay. Now,
0: is he the one who's related to Shay? This
1: is Shea Gilgis Alexander's cousin, first cousin, both from Canada. Shea is one year younger, I believe.
0: Okay. And it looks like this guy's a, a shooting guard, sophomore out of Virginia Tech. Was this a bit of a reach at 17, or was he expected to go... That's around this spot. This is
1: about where I saw him projected. Maybe in other drafts it would be a reach. But this is a guy that's going to get you buckets off the bench initially in the NBA. Obviously started both years in college. And I heard him compare to Lou Williams on the broadcast. Obviously that could be a bit of a stretch. But this is going to be a sixth man that's going to be instant offense. And actually is pretty good defensively as well. Played in a big-time conference in the ACC. So he's been in a ton of big games versus the likes of Duke in North Carolina, Virginia, and held his own. I don't know that he was first-team all-conference, but he was definitely an all-conference selection at some point in his career. I would say probably his sophomore year. But he was probably on the all-freshman team, too, because he's had two productive years at Virginia Tech. So this guy, since he's been in America, has really been – a productive offensive player. And that's what they're going to get. They're going to get instant offense off the bench with this guy.
0: Okay, so it's looking like he's more of a bench guy then. All right. So let me just go over their roster right now because there was a big trade with Los Angeles. Anthony Davis is no longer there. Uh, sort of a leftover left from last year's roster. We have Drew Holiday, who it looks like they want to keep. He's got a few more years on his contract. It's pretty hefty, but he's very well liked there. Uh great two-way player. Maybe we'll get traded a couple years down the line, but um he's going to keep them very competitive and uh I think it's good that they're holding on to him. They have one more year of Etwan Moore, who maybe they'll they'll trade at some point to um a more competitive team, since there's only one year left. Jaleel Okafor is coming back. I think he's going to get some more minutes this year. Whenever he played last year, he, um, he usually was good on the court. He had a really good stretch. I remember people were saying, "Oh, this guy just just got out of bed and <laughs> had a 2010." But it, it's good. He's kind of. Uh, Resurrecting his career again. Yeah, it looked like it was pretty dead um, last year when he was in Brooklyn. He got traded to Brooklyn for pretty much nothing. They also acquired Stanley Johnson in a trade last year. I think maybe they'll they'll bring him back. I could see him taking the qualifying offer. He's a restricted free agent right now. Hasn't really done too much in the NBA. Darius Miller's still with them. He played solid last year. He actually, I think he averaged the most out of any other year in his career. Yeah, he averaged 8.2 per game. Averaged the most minutes at 25. Um, I think they should probably bring him back if they can get him back for the right price. He only made $2 million this past year. I know wings are hard to find, though, so I wouldn't be surprised if someone tries to overpay him. Maybe throw like ten million at him. That might be a little too much, though. Um, but even you know, even like seven million, you might be able to get him. Check Diallo's a restricted free agent. Let's let's see how he did last year, Diallo. He averaged six points a game, played 64 total, started one game. If you can get him for the right price, I'd bring him back as well. And then Ian Clark was on the team. He is unrestricted. I I actually ran into a relative of Ian Clark's uh, at the NBA store. Really? Yeah, I don't think I told you about this, but... Um, yeah, we were talking, and uh, she said he was actually kind of unhappy about not getting enough playing time in New Orleans, and that it looks like he's probably going to go to another team next year.
1: you got the inside scoop there. Huh? <laughs> I haven't heard that from you.
0: One of the rare ones, yeah. Yeah, I forget how we got talking, but yeah, she told me she's related to me and Clark. I said, you gotta bring him back to the Warriors. They could have used him in the playoffs this year. He could have ate some minutes for them. He's had some good moments. But let's go to the players that they acquired from the Lakers. Lonzo Ball. You think he's going to be a good fit next to Zion?
1: I actually kind of question how they're going to use Ball and Holiday. I would lean on you for that kind of expertise. But hearing you say that Holiday played a bunch of two, and we know he's capable of that, at this point in his career, I think it could work out. Because Lonzo's probably not going to play the two. So if they can split the ball handling abilities or capabilities, I think that could really be a nice duo. They both went to UCLA. Um, Drew can be leaned on for the scoring. And Lonzo, if nothing else, he's a great passer. I know he's struggling shooting these days in the NBA, but if he rebounds, plays defense, and can pass the ball like he has in the past, that's all he's got to do on that team at this point is be able to distribute with Zion. Okafor is an offensive player. Let's face it, he's not going to give you too much defensively. And I I also like that Cauley-Stein assertion that you made, because I think it's possible that Okafor is the offensive center and Kali stein could be more of a defensive center for them. So we'll see how that works out if that comes to fruition. But, yeah, I think Lonzo would be a decent fit with that roster. Yeah,
0: I could see Lonzo throwing some lobs his eye on. Brandon Ingram, they also acquired now. He's having um, some issue, I believe it was with his heart, so... That's something you really got to be careful with. But when he is healthy, um, would you imagine Zion playing the four and Ingram at the three or the other way around?
1: It's kind of interesting to think about because they are both versatile. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I think the way you said it there is probably the way it would be because Brandon Ingram has kind of developed a jump shot, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe he has. And that's what he didn't have in college at Duke, and that's the hopes for Zion. And Zion is just a tank right now. He could check four men in the NBA. I heard some folks saying that he could be a small ball five man at some point, but I would say that's a stretch at 6'6", 6'7". But I think the four is the spot for him early in his career. Maybe he could eventually develop into a three man. But Ingram is like 6'8", 6'9", isn't he? He's very tall, yes. And very long, kind of similar to a Tayshaun Prince type of player mm-hmm. that could probably play both of those slots. They could go smaller and play him at the four in some instances. Yeah. But yeah, I would say he's probably more of a three at this point in his career.
0: Okay. They also got Josh Hart. Now, he's not going to start, obviously, because you have Holiday and Lonzo, but we all know Lonzo gets hurt a lot, so... Maybe you put Holiday at the 1, Hard at the 2 during some games. Overall, I'd say they got a really nice package from the Lakers. A lot of future picks. Um, only time will really tell whether the Lakers made the right decision. I'd say if they win one championship, it's the right decision. You know, It's a lot to give up if... If within the next 10 years they they don't get a ring from that, I'd say New Orleans definitely won that, but uh, only time can tell for that one. So we spent a lot of time on New Orleans, holy crap, we spent 20 minutes on them, but...
1: Worthy of it, I would say.
0: Worthy, a lot of activity going on with them, a lot of trades, a bunch of first-round picks, uh... So next we'll go to the Grizzlies. They picked Ja Morant at number two. He was, uh, he was rumored to, um, to go to them for a while. They traded Conley to the Jazz shortly before the draft. So that'll open the door for Morant to play point guard right away. They're really rebuilding right now. Chandler Parsons is their longest tenured player at the moment. So they all, they also have Kyle Anderson at the three. They acquired Jay Crowder and Kyle Korver. They've got Jaron Jackson at the four. Bruno Cablaclo is on their team, and he played decent last year, if you remember him. They called him the Brazilian Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah. Uh, two years away from being two years away. hmm May have been more like... Uh, two years away from being three years away because we're in 2019 now and that's when it seems like he broke out. They got Dylan Brooks as well. Um, Is there anything you want to say on Morant at all?
1: Since he played mid-major college basketball, I didn't get to see him play too much, but the little that I did get to see him play was really impressive. The numbers are really impressive. 24 points, 10 assists per game. At the first triple-double in the NCAA tournament, it's Draymond Green. And oh, wow. That's saying something that's almost a decade ago. Really tough to do in a 40-minute game for anybody, but especially a guy that's, like, sub-6-3. So, obviously, he has some hops. He's hyped as the best passer in this draft. I know he's great defensively. So he'll fit right in with that grit-and-grind culture that they've always had there in Memphis. Well,
0: they don't have the players from it anymore, but I think they're going to stick by that, hopefully. We'll that see, though.
1: they're calling cards, so that'll be, that'll be fun for them because he's not going to take any nights off defensively. I don't know how great of a shooter he's going to be. I would imagine that at the mid-major level he was able to dominate with his athleticism, so... I don't have the percentages in front of me, but my guess is that that's going to be a work in progress because he could probably just blow by most point guards in his league, and obviously that's not going to be the case in the NBA. But there have been Russell Westbrook comparisons out there, and everybody loves to make comparisons, but...
0: Yeah, sometimes they like to do it a little too much to the point that it gets ridiculous.
1: Russell Westbrook is putting up numbers that haven't been put up in 50 years. So I don't know that I would expect that, but maybe you could call him a poor man's Russell Westbrook at this point. Okay. See what happens from there. I would have went R.J. Barrett, number two.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: know, we'll talk more about that.
0: Yeah, I have a little inside scoop on Moran since I work at the NBA store. He came in to do an autograph signing. A lot of people were disappointed. Uh, he didn't seem to really engage with them that much. Uh, seemed to rush people. Kind of seemed like he didn't want to be there. Uh, you know, which he'd hate to hear. Um, like to hope that it was just a bad day for him, though. I didn't see anything. So, I'm just going by word of mouth. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's move on to the Knicks now. They got R.J. Barrett at number three. They seem very happy with this pick. Do you think they should be?
1: I would say yes, and I'm also going to say it's rare that they're happy in New York. <laughs> Whether it's the Knicks or the Jets or the Giants, there's a lot of cri- criticism of draft picks. They
0: a, they booed poor Porzingis, and so he was a great player.
1: That's a good sign if they like him right off the bat like that.
0: You see him playing with, uh, with Kevin Knox. Think that's a good fit there?
1: I think it could be. I think Kevin Knox is far less significant at this point. In my opinion, I hate to say that. But yeah. The Duke guy is probably better than the Kentucky guy. But I like the idea of the tandem of Dennis Smith Jr. and R.J. Barrett. Yeah. And that's going to be a lot of fun to watch because both can play on and off the ball kind of feel like we talked about this a little bit with Dennis Smith Jr. and Doncic last year, though, because mm. they are both versatile. So I'm not going to compare Barrett to Doncic, but I think he could potentially have close to as good a rookie season as Doncic had really? this year. This guy is going to be a superstar in five years. Ooh. I think the Knicks hit a home run.
0: Okay. Does Barrett need the ball in his hands by any chance? He does not.
1: That's good, that's good. He's very capable, but once again they throw out these crazy comparisons and he's a lefty and he's versatile and people say James Harden, once again, you can't put him on that level because what Harden did for a stretch last year hasn't been done since Michael Jordan. And maybe even Jordan didn't have many scoring stretches like Harden had last year. But Barrett will be an all-star in his first five years and probably all-NBA someday, in my opinion. This is one of the best prospects I have seen in the last ten years, I would say, since I really started following NBA prospects when we got John Calipari at Kentucky. so i put this guy over just about everybody that we've had at Kentucky, and I hate to do that as a Kentucky fan when it's a Duke guy. But this guy is well-deserving of any accolades that he might get from anybody at this point
0: superstar in five years well we'll revisit this in 2024 and see i don't hear you say that too much so Uh, let's see what else they have they have um alonzo trier on the roster who played well you got mitchell robinson the center and they got damian dotson These guys have a ton of cap space. They have $60 million in cap space. Now, the big rumor a few months ago was that Kyrie and Kevin Durant were going to go here. I I don't think that's going to happen now, which is too bad because the Knicks traded... uh, Tim Hardaway, Courtney Lee, and Porzingis to Dallas to try and get off the dead salary from next year. Open up space, try and get those two. But there's a lot of momentum with the rumors of Kyrie going to Brooklyn. KD might go there as well. So, uh, poor Nick fans. It's probably going to be a while until we see them go far in the playoffs again. What I would recommend with all this cap space, take on bad salary. A lot of teams want to make splashy moves this year. There's a lot of big free agents out there. I I would get young. I, I would build up a core, get a bunch of draft picks, do what the Atlanta Hawks are doing, basically. Atlanta Hawks have five young players at this point that could start on their team. And it's between this year's draft and last year's draft. I think the Knicks need to do this. Don't try and hit the home run with the free agents. Don't sign Jimmy Butler to a max contract. Let these guys grow. And, yeah, just keep getting draft picks. I mean, I know it's been a while... Nick fans can be really impatient, but just appreciate that they're on the right path right
1: now. They're off to a good start as far as that goes too. I feel like Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, and RJ Barrett, three lottery picks. Yep. Mitchell Robinson had a good rookie year. That's a good young core just yep. right there. No, they do. They have Nilakina as well,
0: but I wouldn't give up on him just yet. I mean, maybe he can be a good, uh, you know, backup point guard for them. Someone coming off the bench. Solid player. A lot of young guys. They have Emmanuel Moody, eh? He's a restrictive free agent. Maybe bring him back for the right price. Uh DeAndre Jordan was on their team last year. I don't think I'd bring him back. But uh, you yeah, know, that's just me. Well, let's move on to the next team. This is uh one of the best young teams in the NBA right now. They uh they traded up to get the fourth pick. This was originally New Orleans pick. New Orleans eventually traded it to Atlanta. DeAndre Hunter was selected number four by the Atlanta Hawks. Now this was a little surprising, wasn't it? Because I don't think people had Hunter at number four. I think Garland was projected to go number four. Maybe someone else?
1: I had seen Hunter up about that high, I would say, a month ago. Garland had some late movement upward. But I would say, in my personal opinion, Hunter certainly deserves it. Looking at the picks following him, this guy had an unbelievable tournament this year. And as a third-year guy, he only played two years at Virginia. His freshman year was a redshirt year. But this is a guy that's from Philly, tough guy. Great defender, can step out and make shots, can play either the two or the three, probably even some small ball four in the NBA. So you got a lot of versatility. He can handle the ball. He's probably a prototypical wing for the new-age NBA, and I think they're going to really like what they got with him. He's probably not going to be a big-time scorer right off the bat, but if you think, like, Maybe Bruce Bowen in his later years, which you don't want to think that with a top four pick. Right. But that's what you're going to get with him, I think, in his early years. But down the road, he'll probably be a 10-year NBA player.
0: Wow. A lot of great young players with this team right now. Got Trey Young last year. He was pretty much a runner-up for Rookie of the Year. If it wasn't for Doncic, he probably would have been. They got John Collins, who I'm a big fan of, Amari Spellman, Kevin Herter, great young core. Kent Bazemore is still on the team as well, making way too much money. I think they should trade that contract, but who knows what they're going to do. He's been with them for a while, maybe they want to keep him. But like I was saying, what the Knicks should do is they should just take on some bad contracts, get some draft picks. Let me read off some of the bad contracts the Hawks have right now. They got Alan Crabb making $18 million. Uh, This is the last year of his contract, though, so not horrible. They got Solomon Hill making $12 million. Then they have Miles Plumlee making 12 million. I don't think he's averaged more than four points a game in his NBA career. The bucks must have been high when they gave him that contract years ago. I think it was five years, 12 million each year. Unbelievable. But the, the Hawks got a bunch of draft picks from it and led to them getting a bunch of young players. Vince Carter is said he wants to play another year. Um I could I could definitely see him um coming back. It seemed like he was a really good influence on the young guys, especially Trey Young. Um but they they got uh, another guy here as well, the Hawks. At number 10, they got Cam Reddish. Another uh forward. Would you say that uh, these guys would would play the two and three, or maybe the three and four, Reddish and Hunter?
1: It's very interesting that they picked these two guys and where they picked them to me. I understand that DeAndre Hunter had a little bit more longevity being in the NCAA for a couple of years. But I easily could have seen these two picks being flip-flopped. Like, Cam Reddish is a top-five talent. And I think the value at 10 far exceeds what they got at 4 with Hunter. I think Hunter is going to struggle to score 10 points per game in the NBA early in his career. He's going to be a stalwart defender. But Cam Reddish can put the ball in the basket. And I remember mentioning to you during the draft that there were times when they had injuries to guards at Duke this year and they could also put the ball in his hands and he's 6-8 and he could lead the offense, good passer. I think there were some questions about his attitude. But you get that a lot with 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. It's nothing that can't be worked through. So I'm going to say that Reddish probably projects as a two man even though he's 6-8. I believe Hunter is 6'7", and he's probably the projected three, but he's going to have to fight it out with Kevin Herter, I believe, to get that spot.
0: Most definitely.
1: Because they're all set at other positions, I believe. So Hunter's going to have a harder time getting into the starting lineup. To me, we'll see how it shakes out in camp, but I would say that Cam Reddish definitely has an inside track on a starting spot on the wing for them.
0: So we'll go to the next pick. Cleveland Cavaliers, what the hell are you doing? What else is new? They picked Colin Sexton last year with the eighth pick. Had a pretty decent rookie season. Started off slow, but really came into his own towards the end. This year they pick another point guard, Darius Garland at number five. Green, Can these guys even play together?
1: I think that's a very valid question. And we will probably find out very quickly, early in the season. And if they can't, somebody's getting traded, in my opinion. This is a new regime in Cleveland with John Beeline, a great college coach coming to take over the Cavaliers. And to me, this feels like Beeline may have this guy pegged, this guy Garland pegged as the guy that he wants to run his offense. He's going to bring kind of a unique offense into the NBA, something that maybe other NBA franchises have not seen. And clearly, he likes Darius Garland to run that offense. I think Colin Sexton could play some two guard, and that's probably not his natural position. But they're both six one or six two, as far as I know. So that's going to be really tough on the defensive end for them. Hmm. So depending on what the rest of their lineup might look like, they'd probably have to go big across the board after that. But I am very skeptical of them playing together, to answer your question.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess they were just picking the best guy available, but Cleveland has a lot of bad contracts right now. They've been doing uh, things similar to what the Hawks were doing, taking on bad money, getting draft picks. They have Brandon Knight at fifteen million dollars. Jordan Clarkson at thirteen million dollars. Tristan Thompson's on the last year of his deal eighteen million dollars. They paid Larry Nance Jr. twelve million dollars a year. That seems like a bit of an overpay, but he is still young and he's twenty-six. John Henson is making eight million a year. That's a lot for John Henson. Um, Matthew Delvadova, who's making $9 million a year. So they basically just have a lot of pretty bad expiring contracts. Um, they're going to be terrible this year, <laughs> let's be honest. Kevin Love's also on the team. They gave him an extension. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded here this year. Maybe next year, who knows. They also have Chetty Osman. He uh, was a rookie in LeBron's last season there with the Cavs. But pretty decent. I think he'll continue the start. Kevin Porter Jr., That was that a second-round pick from them?
1: That was number 30. That roster you just read to me, <laughs> I have no clue what they're going to do.
0: <laughs> it's pretty gruesome. That is
1: really an oddly put-together roster at this point. And I think, like you said, It's all about clearing cap space. That sounds like a complete rebuild to me.
0: Yeah. So they would
1: be smart to probably start a guy like Porter Jr.
0: You might as well develop them. I don't know why you'd want to play any of these other guys unless you're trying to up their trade value.
1: I've heard that the issue with him is character. They don't know what you're going to get day in and day out with him. He's been suspended a couple different times at USC for a couple different things. The athleticism is through the roof. I think the shooting needs improvement, but you're going to get a guy that can play either the two or the three on the wing, and you should probably just play him from the start with the sounds of that roster and see what you got with him. And if it doesn't work out with him, then you take the next guy in the next draft and continue to try to build. Yeah, You're you- going to be okay at the point guard slot, I think, whether you go with Sexton or Garland. But other than that, if you're trading Kevin Love, what do you got left?
0: Right? Yeah, maybe play uh, Porter at the three, put Osmond at the four, Love or Thompson at the five. I mean, they have Nance as well, but I, I don't I don't know if they're really if they really think he's part of the future. They said that last year, but I don't know, he's getting kinda up there at this how, point. How many years did
1: he get? Just out of curiosity. Looks like
0: like so it was four years. I'm double check, though. So... Yeah, it was about four years. He's getting paid... ...around $10 million until 2023, so they gave him a decent extension.
1: His father was kind of a legend in Cleveland, so I'm wondering if maybe that had something to do with bringing him there for that long a period of time, or maybe that's where he grew up and he wanted to go back there. But like you said, who knows if he's really in the future plans for that organization. It's probably not somebody you build around, right?
0: No, not at this point. Useful player, though.